If Martin Buber considered it the most significant phenomenon in the past 250 years of religion, would then I, as a universalist, uh, would I read that stuff if I was a, um, a comparative religion personality who is a universalist, uh, would I be interested? If I was committed to, let's say, uh, let's say I'm committed to reading the classics of Western spirituality, or I was interested in spirituality, or Western, or Eastern, or universal, or global spirituality, and I was interested in classics, so how would I behave? <laughs> well, I would say that if you saw a book and it said it was upright practices and the light of the eyes, then what's being upright all about? Uh, is that you can imagine like a, a Zen monk sitting upright uh, and he has the light of the eyes. Uh, so I'm going to investigate. Uh, I may have to go to Brooklyn now. Uh, are you going to Brooklyn? Uh, Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to read, I'm starting to read uh, the introduction to a book, uh, uh, Menahem Nahim of Chernobyl, Upright Practices, The Light of the Eyes. <laughs> introduction, there is, I like the introduction. Hmm. That's the main thing that caught my eye, was the introduction, the preface, actually. It's like universal in itself. We live in a time of divine eclipse. Darkness shrouds our age. One strains to make out the image, so bold has man's bond with the beast become. Lord of the computer and splitter of the atom, human beings are forgetting how to be human, much less how to be holy. Some of this arrogance has been shattered by two worldwide catastrophes that have ground our gadgets to dust and turn our idols into demons. Having exhausted the substitute faiths of culture and science, yeah, I think in the sort of the denial of de death book, we talked about uh, sort of religion was somewhere religion was replaced with culture and science uh, as the new religion. <laughs> Having exhausted the substitute faiths of culture and religion, we are beginning to understand what Abraham Hish Heschel, H-E-S-C-H-E-L, taught that unless man is more than man, he is less than man. So, uh, I have to become more than a man or I'm less. That unless man is more than man, he is less than man. Uh, unless we grow, mankind grows spiritually, he's going to end up being less than a man huh, with his with his new atom splitters. <laughs> A craving for the whole wheat of the spirit gnaws at us. What? I have a craving? What, honey? What? I crave? Yeah, I do crave some veggies. Whole wheat integral? Uh, what? What is it? Is it arepa or tortilla? Arepa, le van, arepa. Arepa? Oh, thanks, Samoa. Gracias, Samoa. A craving for the whole wheat of the Spirit gnaws at us. Therefore, the searching out of holy saints from the past. Therefore, the claiming of holy books from days gone by. That's what I'm doing in this podcast, is searching out holy saints from the past. Uh -huh. Therefore, the searching out of holy saints from the past in this podcast. Therefore, the claiming of holy books from days gone by and podcasts to come. Such is the grand task of this series of podcast publications. 
Uh-huh. Is that the purpose of your podcast? Such is the grand task of this series of publications. What else to do in an age? When tyrants rule and charlatans beguile, when pornography is dignified as literature, and asceticism is braided as the highest goal. Asceticism. As, it's like where artworks becomes, um, has a value of $50 million for Picasso. Uh-huh. What, dear? And I noticed there's this book, uh, A Thousand and One Books, A Thousand and One Books uh, You Must Read Before You Die. Actually, quite a few of these books, uh, because they're sort of written by the uh, academic intellectuals, that a lot of them actually were, uh, because it's liberalism, a lot of them were very pornographic, actually. They're like sexual liberation stuff. Pornography is dignified as literature. I noticed like quite a bit of, bit of uh, banned books and things like that are on the list. Not that they're bad, but uh, but there's not that much spirituality like these books. They might have Pilgrim's Progress and a few things, but or the Divine Comedy or something. But in the list, but there's a lot of pornography. When pornography is dignified as literature, and asceticism is prated as the highest goal. So they're not the highest goal, is what I'm saying. This podcast is the highest goal, though. Uh What are you saying? Well, uh, what are you saying? I'm just reading. I'm... uh, what I'm saying is wonderfully rich in holy men and holy books was Hasidism. H-A-S-I-D-I-S-M. Hasidism. Is that where you go to Brooklyn and go to a restaurant in Brooklyn? Hasidism. The Jewish, Jewish mystical movement. So we're, I'm reading about Jewish mysticism. Why are you doing that? Oh, because... Martin Buber says that Hasidism, the Jewish mystical movement, which Martin Buber considered the most significant phenomenon in the past 250 years of religion. Okay, that's his opinion. No wonder scholars are ransacking its hidden treasures and students are pondering its teachings. Oh, I'm going to ransack its hidden treasures in this podcast and ponder its teachings. What, dear? Hmm. Hmm. That's quite something. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to stop to eat this because I like it. I continue my ransacking of hidden treasures within uh, Hasidism. What are you doing? I'm going to ponder its teachings, the Jewish mystical movement, which is wonderfully rich in holy men and holy books. So it's rich in things, so I'm into ransacking treasures. <laughs> As long as it's spiritual. What? What is it? You, un favor a Olga, you. Olga? Un favor. Por favor, what? Un favor. Por favor? You puedes ir al banco. The banco? Allí a Chelsea y depositarme una plata. You want to deposit in the banco? Sí, you. Me deposit? <laughs> I could, I suppose, deposit. I just take the ATM. ATM and, and Dinero, Davy, with, with Carta. It's possible. Sí. Yeah, I can deposit. Okay. 
You have dinero? <laughs> I'm going to ransack your treasure, so if you give me your dinero. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out. He's a ransacker. <laughs> he may ransack the dineros that she's putting in the banco. <laughs> yeah, no wonder scholars are ransacking treasures of spirituality. <laughs> Because the stuff in the bank is is right now being they're printing more money using quantitative easing and so so uh, there's a lot of inflation so the the dineros won't be worth very much but uh, the treasures of the holy man and the holy books of asceticism is very valuable really yeah that's what's happening huh? um. What am I saying? Uh, uh, we're talking about quantitative easing. They print money. Uh, um, what were you going to do about it? Well, I was saying, like, what did Beethoven do? I do what Beethoven does. Uh, remember Beethoven, like, they would pay him in Deutschmarks or something, and then there was runaway inflation. <laughs> and so he just couldn't take it anymore. He he would do all this compositions and stuff, and then his money was worthless. So they said, "Just pay me in British pounds and gold." <laughs> so I'm only going to be take payment in this podcast by in British consuls. <laughs> They they have to be um, also, I prefer uh, council bonds, which are perpetuities. So I need to be paid forever, forever. There's no maturity date on these council bonds. So, yeah. And it has to be backed by gold. Because uh, I basically follow what, Beethoven says. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to continue ransacking this book. Uh Why don't you read it again? This was an interesting passage. Since we live in a time of divine eclipse, darkness shrouds our age. One strains to make out the image, so bold as man's bond with the beast become. Lord of the computer and the splitter of the atom, human beings are forgetting how to be human, much less how to be holy. Some of this arrogance has been shattered by two worldwide catastrophes that have ground our gadgets to dust and turned our idols into demons. Having exhausted the substitute fates of culture and science, we are beginning to understand what Abraham Hishel has so taught that unless man is more than man, he is less than man. A craving for the whole wheat of the spirit gnaws at us. Therefore, the searching out of holy saints from the past. Therefore, the claiming of holy books from days gone by. Such is the grand task of this series of podcast publications. What else to do in an age when tyrants rule and charlatans beguile? You Oh, don't tell me the password in this podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, more the number. Write the number. Yeah. Write it. Uh, okay. Okay, more. All right. Okay. Thanks some more. No, it's not so good. I'm rich now. I'm rich. I've ransacked. So, David, it's for it's for Colombia. Really, for Colombia? Oh, okay, that's sweet. It's for Colombia. So we're ransacking the American Empire. Send the money to 
to Colombia. Really? You haven't read anything yet. Huh. Huh. Why don't you read something? Okay. What else is there to do in an age when tyrants rule in charlatans? Because when pornography is dignified as literature and asceticism is paraded as the highest goal, wonderfully rich in holy men and holy books was Hasidism, the Jewish mystical movement which Martin Buber considered the most significant phenomenon in the past 250 years of religion. No wonder scholars are ransacking its treasures and students are pondering its teachings. <laughs> Not gonna read the entire introduction and forward, and but I'm gonna gonna. Oh, okay, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> I have my new quiet quarters, so I don't wake up. Cause remember. I like to be disturbed, but others don't. Huh? Why do you like to be disturbed, or do you just accepting of, um, of disturbances? <laughs> you actually don't want to be disturbed. What? But you accept disturbance? Um, like I say, I was reading from uh, the classics of Western spirituality, which. Menahem Nahum of Chernobyl, Upright Practices, The Light of the Eyes. The authors I hadn't stated. uh, uh, Author of the preface, which I read, was Rabbi Samuel H. Dresner, adjunct professor of Hasidic thought at the Spiritus College of Judaica in Chicago. So, it's from Chicago. And the spiritual leader of the Murray Maria Congregation in Deerfield, Illinois. Editor, okay. And the editor of this volume, Arthur Green. He's a student of Jewish mysticism and theology. He is an associate professor of religious studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, his anthology is Your Word is Fire. Actually, that was in the library. That's a a possible... There's very few books on this stuff, but that's one that's available. Your Word is Fire, co-edited with Barry Holtz. It was published by Paulus Press, 1977. Uh-huh. He serves on the editorial board of the Classics of Western Spirituality series. This is a, and this is a podcast of the Classics of Western Spirituality series podcast. But I'm not reading the entire preface and the entire foreword and the entire introduction, but I have a tendency to jump right into the material. But we're, like I said, we're reading The Light of the Eyes, or Me, or Eunayim, I can't even spell it, it's in Hebrew, M-E-O-R-E-Y-N-A-Y-I-M, is one of the true favorites of Hasidic literature. It says, all its words are words of the living God, arousing the human soul to rise upward. That's what it is. (laughs) Hmm. It says, in an approbation prepared for the first edition of the work published in 1798, Levi Yishak of Berdikuchu said of the Mior Inayon, quote, all its words are words of the living God. Rousing the human soul to rise upward. Of course, the author is Rabbi M E N A H E M N A H U M of Chernobyl. Chernobyl is the same place where they had the nuclear accident. C H E R N O B Y L. Hmm. 
Hmm. Anyways, and then there's a discussion of. It says the one of these some of these books are available in the Luba Vic headquarters in Brooklyn. L U B A V I T C H headquarters in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's um. Does their heroes given some bits of omission or clarification here and there are familiar even to readers who know rather little of Judaism, like the Zen monk or the spiritual or the Sufi master, the Hasidic Zadig is readily available to the tales. The Hasidic Z A D D I Q. Hmm. Hmm. So that's the introduction. I might read the introduction to myself, and then I'm gonna read the book. It's unright upright practices. So this is if you wanna be upright. Mm, this may be an embarrassing podcast because of uh, things I talk about, but. Uh, and it's also just Bible lessons because I'm reading some from the Old Testament. So, so why wouldn't things from the Old Testament, if you're a Christian, why wouldn't you listen to the commentary on the Old Testament by a Hasidic? <laughs> yeah, that would give you another opinion on the Old Testament. <laughs> So why wouldn't they be more of an expert on the Old Testament? <laughs> yeah, they should be. <laughs> and here's section one, the beginning of this book. The Number one, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, which is Psalms 1, 11, 10. Keep this ever before you, okay? Believe with full faith that the Creator blessed be he, the King of Kings, whose glory fills all the earth, stands before you in each moment and sees all your deeds, both uh, those that are public and who's hidden in the depths of your heart. Didn't we just counter encounter that in Sufism or in uh, what was I reading? <laughs> the. Uh, Goodness. Uh, what were you reading? Oh, yeah, in uh, Arabi. Yeah. Assuming the presence of God's watching you. This should lead you to a constant sense of shame, of which scripture says, quote, So that his fear be on your faces, and you will not sin. Unquote. Exodus twenty twenty. On this verse, the sages ask, quote, How is the fear of God present on a person's face? And they answered, In shame. Oh, I should be ashamed, I guess, of this podcast. <laughs> that is a shame, which is Bisha, B U S H A H. Bisha, Bisha. If you're ashamed of something, you're Bisha. <laughs> Shame or Bisha, as spoken of here, has the sense of embarrassment rather than guilt. The sense of Bisha, as described in the Hebrew ethical literature, is usually the result of awareness of God's greatness rather than response to a particular sin. So maybe instead of being guilty, we could be just... Embarrassed uh -huh. as a result of the awareness of God's greatness. Uh -huh. hmm. That says uh, number two. This is lesson number two. We're doing lessons here from the Old Testament and Hasidic and Hasidicism. Hmm. 
Well, this stuff sounds about like the 18th century, like most of the stuff picked up in the Ukraine and Poland. So we're reading from Ukraine. We're reading from Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Uh, we're reading mystical literature from Chernobyl. Now, this is maybe kind of electrifying a bit, so don't get too electrified. Uh-huh. Don't get too radiated from it. Uh-huh. Number two, purify your mind and thought from thinking too many different thoughts. Well, that's a good advice. I think you're not supposed to... You know, and mysticism, not supposed to think too much. Purify your mind and thought from thinking too many different thoughts. You have only to think about one thing. Serving God in joy. Really, how do you do that and still live? And How can I think about one thing? You have only to think about one thing. Serving God. God enjoy, not just in any old way. And the word basima, basima, enjoy. Bisima, bisima, bisima. B e dash s i m h a h, bisima. Bisima, bisima, bisima. The word bisama enjoy has the same letters as mahas mahashaba thought. Ah, hmm. Hmm. Thanks some more. So when I think about this I should be enjoying. Uh, thanks some more, I like it. Hmm. She's serving me while I'm thinking of serving God. So, oh, hmm. oh thank you. The plant and all. So he's saying here that to have a thought is the same thing as being in joy. What's that mean? So if I'm to have a thought, it has to be a joyful thought? Hmm. The word bisama, enjoy, has the same letter, says mahashaba, M-A-H-A-S-H-A-B-A-H, thought, mahashaba. So my mahashabas are bisama. Or my, I'm, and when I'm Bisama, I have a Mahashaba. <laughs> are you trying to speak Hebrew, or what are you doing here? All thoughts that come to you should be included in this single one. All right, so these are the only two things that I should think. So I only know these two words. <laughs> Of this scripture speaks uh, in, quote, many are the thoughts in a person's mind, but it is the counsel of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19.21. It's funny, this scripture is saying that we have many thoughts. Many are the thoughts in a person's mind, but it is the counsel of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 19.21. Understand this. Okay. That's lesson number two. <laughs> Do you understand it? I'm going to stop to eat, I think. We are continuing with Upright practices that can lead to light in the eyes. So, according to their technique, you keep your third eye open. The light of the eyes. 
So, what was in Chernobyl before they had the nuclear accident? The answer is the rabbi. It's sort of like the... You think of like the rabbi and the fiddler on the roof, huh? and what he suggests. Uh -huh. So we're reading his teachings. Uh -huh. Are you? Yeah. <clears throat> so lesson number three, or point number three, section one, page thirty-one, is our rabbi say, our rabbis say. Quote, sanctify yourself within the realm of that which is permitted. So, do not limit yourself to literal observance of the law that forbids, but add to holiness of your own accord by the way you do that which is permitted. So, okay. In the moment of sexual union, turn your thought to the sake of heaven. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was think, studying about how, like, uh, Jewish people, like, uh, like on uh, the Sabbath, they're, like, going to have sex. Uh -huh. So if you like good sex uh, that's for reproduction or something, you could become a, become convert to Judaism. <laughs> well... Well, but as long as you do it the right way, that's as permitted. In the moment of sexual union, turn your thought to the sake of heaven. Recite the prayer of the Ramban, R-A-M-B-A-N, as it is printed in the gates of Zion before the sex act. So you got to recite this prayer of the Ramban, B-A-R-A-M-B-A-N, as it is printed in the gates of Zion. Before the sect act, say, quote, for the sake of the union of the Holy One, blessed be he with the Shekinah, unquote. So, before you have sex, you have to say, For the sake of the union of the Holy One, blessed be he with his Shekinah. See further what is written in the Shulhan, the Aruk Aro Harim, section 240. That's the S H U L H A N A R U K H. O R A H H A Y Y I M Section two forty concerning holiness before the act of union. So you have to read the manual and cite these prayers before sex. That way you can do it as permitted. Do it according to the instructions of this rabbi. Well, I think you should do that. Maybe you would be be more careful. Remember how careful the sages ought to, sought to be concerning this holiness. Yeah, the sages were careful concerning this holiness, which they're referring to as sex. This holiness. So sex is holiness. Mm -hmm. hmm. This is also, we're not embarrassed, though. Because we're doing this while God's watching. What? It says, three, the gates of Zion is a collection of penitential prayers and supplications edited by Nathan Hanover and first printed in 1662. It contains a prayer for this occasion ascribed to Namanadis, N-A-H-M-A, a N I D E S and the Shulhan Aruka the S U A L B A N A R U K H Joseph Carlos Law Code of the sixteenth century serves as the basic guide to the Jewish religious practice. Quote for the sake of the union unquote is the formula of Kabbalistic intent. To be recited before the fulfilling 
of each religious commandment. The commandment to be performed is thereby dedicated to the union of the upper divinity with the Shekinah, symbolically representative of the male and female potencies within God. The point that the sex act is the fulfillment of a biblical commandment, quote, be fruitful and multiply, unquote, is here overshadowed by the vision of the human coupling as evocative of the great union above. So it's uh, overshadowed by the, the sex act is the fulfillment of biblical commandment. So you should be fruitful and multiply. That's why there's so many people. <laughs> We're commanded to make people I guess, oh, that's a long, a difficult topic to explore. So this is section three. Uh, hmm. Before the prayer, recite the prayer before this exact. <coughs> <coughs> try to look up the prayer so we know what it is. So pray, recite the prayer before the sex act. <laughs> so that's, we're talking about upright practices here, so that must be one of them. So keep your third eye open when you're, if you're going to have sex and for be fruitful and multiply and keep your third eye open and do upright practices. Hmm. I was saying that they had to read this. This they recommended you read this uh, prayer before you have sex. So I, uh, I wanted to read that prayer because <laughs> uh, I was curious about it. <laughs> so, and I may, if I need it, uh, I, I, I saw what is this thing? This Rabban's prayer on. The, this article here from the librarians uh, says the the Rabban's prayer unearthed Rabban's prayer unearthed and in English for the first time. So, so we are going to pu put the Rabban's prayer into this podcast for the first time and put it on Earth <laughs> in English, English, English. Rabban's prayer unearthed and in English for the first time. And that uh, that is on the blog, uh, be a blog.nli.org.il. And uh, it says, uh, starts out, quote, guide me in your truth and fulfill me from its delights. And the author is Zach Rothbart. It says here how it was unearthed. The Iberian Peninsula was in many ways the center of the Jewish world in the Middle Ages, leaving a sustained literary, religious, and cultural legacy. Catalonia alone was home to some of the most significant figures of the period, perhaps most prominent among them being Rabbi Mashi, son of Nathman, Nachman, more commonly known as the Rabban or the Nachmanides an intellectual giant whose commentaries on the Bible. So this is gigantic in a way, because he is an intellectual giant. This is our favorite topics are from... Well, I thought you like mystics. Why are you saying an intellectual giant? Well, well intellectual giant mystics. So. An unspilled giant whose commentaries on the Bible, the Talmud, and countless other texts complemented an array of original works. The Rabban's writings, composed in the 13th century, are widely studied and cited to this day. Okay. So right now they're being cited in English. Hmm. He was also a leading Kabbalist and a persecuted defender of the faith, and to use a modern term, an active Zionist. Well, to be one in the 13th century, huh? And in his third, eighth decade of life, Rabbi Moshe was banished from his home following a religious disputation and decided to move across the world to the land of Israel. 
while he helped rebuild Jewish communities and scholarship decimated by the Crusades, the Mongols, and the passage of time. The rabbi's arrival in Jerusalem in 1267 CE marked the beginning of hundreds of years of uninterrupted Jewish settlement in the city and the synagogue. He established still stands <laughs> his synagogue, the Rabban Synagogue, in Jerusalem's old city, 1968. It's a photo, photograph. Uh-huh. Well, are you going to read his prayer so we could have sex? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I am. So I'm getting to that. A famous letter written from the land of Israel to his son in Catalonia teaches that humility and constantly maintaining composure are key to leading a good life and continued spiritual growth. This letter known as Egit Haraban appears in many modern prayer books and certainly reveals something deeply personal about the sages' inner thoughts and worldview. Huh. What is it, dear? What are you looking at? Oh, oh Mikasa. What does it say? Esto es lo que tú necesitas, una renovación. Oh, you're reading. What are you reading? Pero es que mire, mire lo que dice. Tu novia o novia aún puede ser especial. En marzo todo está roto y necesitas una renovación. Isn't that positive? No, es muy mal, muy feo. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's mal. Oh. Wow. Y que bos bosquejo podría considerar finalización. Oh. Puedes elegir el camino de la mierda. De tener mm. un estadounidense o simplemente mm. o tener un latín. Well, I thought that usually qué this feo. positive stuff. Qué feo, um, qué feo. You don't like it? No hmm. like. No mm. like. ¿Cómo así? Mm. Because uh, sometimes my poems are not, are not like. Aún puede ser muy especial en en marzo. Mm. En marzo todo está roto y necesitas una renovación. ¿Cómo así que todo está roto? Ah, uh, hold on a second. Uh, uh, hmm. Yeah, I was continuing in this. Uh, this prayer bit. So it's possible to have sex. <laughs> if you're Jewish or not Jewish or you want to follow Jewish stuff. The prayer attributed to Rabban was printed for the first time, appearing in Dr. Edan Perez's Sidur Catalunya. Perez's work represents the first ever printed prayer book of the Catalonian liturgy and is virtually used by the Rabban, R-A-M-B-A-N, and the once thriving Jewish communities of Catalonia, Valencia, and Mallorca, which, which were ultimately extinguished by the Spanish Inquisition and expulsion over 500 years ago. So... They dug this up. <laughs> the monumental project was completed by piercing together manuscripts and other source materials from institutions across the globe. The prayer attributed to Rabban was found in a manuscript written just after the expulsion, which was likely used by Catalonian exiles living in Provence. It is now held in Rome's Casa Natense Library and is available online as part of the K-T-I-V. The National Library of Israel led an instant in initiative to open digital access to all the world's Hebrew manuscripts. Wow. A prayer attributed to Raman. According to Perez, these types of prayers referred to as bakashat, or supplications, were quite common among the Iberian Jews of the Period, Catalonian 
Communities apparently recited them after the regular daily prayer as well. Other communities across the peninsula would say that Bakashat before prayer. So the the te text content and style, along with the fact that the manuscript's author pre prefaced it with the words a Bakasha of Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, all seem to indicate that this Bakasha was in fact written by Rabban himself. R A M B A N says Perez, who heads the rare books department of the National Library of Israel. To the modern Hebrew speaker, the Marban's poetic prayers, written some 8,008 centuries ago, is surprisingly clear. It appears here in English for the first time, with a few notes and sources added in parentheses for clarification purposes. So... So you read this before having sex. <laughs> Please, O oh God, who creates without having a creator, and who conceived a thought and power from potential to action, brought forth light which illustrates all the lights from the beginning until the end for all the illuminations. The words of God are pure words, Psalms twelve seven. Be pleased with your unseen, refined, and pure power. Establish my thoughts in your service, in awe, in trembling, and in reverence. You have brought to light every mystery. Make me wise to know your commandments. And as a hawk soars over its prey, Job 29:36. Allow me to understand and guide me in the path of your commandments and in the ways of repentance. Instruct me, because you are a God who desires the repentance of the wicked. And the spirit of grace flows forth unto those who know and those who do not know. And in the attribute of your beloved ones, from ancient times, bless me with sublime favor as my absolute light. And this is your favor that you shall do for me, and I, and may I not tremble in fear of you, Job thirteen twenty one, and raise me up in the balance of grace, and guide me in your truth, and fulfill me from its delights, and from their great light, enlighten me, and like the mountain of your inheritance, Jerusalem, bring me and plant me, and between two cherubs may your word come and console me, and desire me, and receive me. And may the fountain of your world establish my soul, and may it be bound up in the bundle of life and the pure soul that you have placed within me, and in the great all-encompassing crown may it be included. Include me in your exalted attribute of goodness with every blessing and splendor. Please, with these crowns, which are ten in number, and in them lay the secret to everything, may my supplication come before you, and may your ear be inclined to my joy. May your ear be inclined to my joy, and may my prayer come before the sanctuary of your holiness. And from the good oil of the two olives and the wellspring, pour unto the seven candles of the entirely gold menorah. Zechariah 4, 3. And shower upon he who longs for your kindness and sees your goodness through spiritual channels from higher wellsprings and lower wellsprings. Joshua 15, 12, 19. And you are the one who knows that I do not unburden my plea before you due to my righteousness, but rather by the merit of my forefathers I have based it, and by the greatness of your mercy and your humility, and the memory of your thirteen attributes. <laughs> Hmm. Well, it's said to read that according to to the uh, guy, the rabbi from Chernobyl, should read this before sex. Uh, so I don't know why, but that's what he says, and I just I'm just reading and following instructions. Uh -huh. It's a reading on Mother's Day, and there's a bit about um, uh, the all-embracing maternal figure. It's page 12. Uh, 
Melkut, Melkut. The Last of Eliminations has a role of peculiar significance in ascetic thought. The essentially feminine imagery associated with Melkut was, preser was preserved in Hasidicism. Maybe what you need someone who gives my life reasons to be happy. Embracing uh, the essentially feminine imagery associated with Melkut is preserved in Hasidism. It is an all-embracing maternal figure, loving even in the moment of chastisement that the Hasid, Hasid, what's Hasid? Seemingly is to have, a, have in mind. What is that? that the Hasid seemingly is to have in mind. So we're supposed to have, let's see, we're supposed to have on Mother's Day the all-embracing maternal figure uh, in mind. Uh, if that is the Hasid seemingly is to have in mind. The term Malk, Mal, M-A-L-K, H U T Malkhut means kingship or dominion. Huh. And it is used to refer to the indwelling presence of God in the world and for a for a religious movement that receives its impetus from the intoxicating consciousness that the whole earth is full of his glory and the indwelling Shekinah is central both to the devotional life and to the proper understanding of the world. His cosmology does not come back into play in the psychological meaning of how could it decide secondary to the real sense of the outer world and bodies the Shekinah and his lies totally within it and that all created things are by the very garb of her presence. Just to read sec Section 3 again on page 31, he says, In the moment of sexual union, turn your thought to the sacred heaven. Recite the prayer of Ramban as it is printed in the gates of Zion before the SXX. Say, For the sake of the union of the Holy One, blessed be he with his Shekinah. <laughs> so further, what is written in the section Two forty concerning holiness before the act of union. Remember how careful the sages sought to be concerning this holiness. So they sought to be careful about that topic. So be careful. I would be careful about that holy thing, which is sex, I guess. Uh -huh. Oh.